Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. You would turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. We're beginning a new chapter. We've been studying, learning so much. I mean, you know, I've read the book of Hebrews many times and studied through it, but there's nothing like teaching it to learn it. I've told you this many times. If you want to learn the Bible, volunteer to do a, a Bible study, uh, whether in the, the uh, uh, assisted living or a small group. And But when you teach it, it you, I've got to stand before people and explain this. I better know it. And it just makes you study like you never would study. You know, you ever just read through the Bible and skip over things? You won't do that if you're going to be teaching it. So anyway, we're in, <coughs> we're in Hebrews chapter 9. And I'm calling today's message Sac- Sacred Shadows. Uh, we've been learning how much greater Jesus Christ is than all of the people, all the personages of the Old Testament, than the Old Covenant. We saw that the, the book of Hebrews is actually known for or as the greater than book. Jesus is greater than. And you name all the people, all the greats of the Old Testament, Jesus is greater than them. All, and it's all, we're always comparing Jesus to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And we've seen that the, the New Covenant is far superior than the Old Covenant. Uh, and, and to the point that the Law of Moses and the activities of the Temple worship are actually, in the book of Hebrews, it's actually called just a shadow, just a dim preview. Let me read that to you. That's, we haven't even got the Hebrews 10 yet, but I like to keep looking ahead at it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 says, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. So if all you're doing is focusing on the Old Testament, uh, you'll, you'll be missing out, because I think I put it in your shepherd of sheep in the bulletin. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So we learn so much as we study the book of Hebrews because it keeps looking back and showing us this meant that. And you know, sadly, we Christians, we live in kind of, we're citizens of two worlds. The shadow world, this world, and the real world yet to come. We're looking forward to entering into and for the time being, we're living in this temporary physical body. It's governed by physical laws and in a specific geographical location. And it's all temporary, but it's still all very real, right? You, you know that when you hit your finger with a hammer or something, you, it's real. It's not just a, a movie or, or, or a dream. And, but there are spiritual realities and truths, and there are physical realities and truths. And because of the contrasting dichotomy of us living in being citizens of two worlds, we've got to learn to live by faith. And so the book of Hebrews is helping us with this because as a, hold on. 
I asked for a mute button because I, I do that now and then. Uh, uh, but God always gives us people types and pictures and images to help us grasp the, the unseen, to help us grasp the spiritual world. And that's what we're going to look at more today as we look at chapter 9 of Hebrews. Father, we ask that as we look into this book, that you'd speak to us what we need to hear. Lord, you know everybody in here intimately. You know where we come from. You know what we struggle with. You know what we're dealing with right before our face right now. And Lord, we ask that you give us what we need for the moment. Give, give us what we need today as we look at your word and look to Jesus. Speak into our hearts. Give us strength to live as we ought. And so we give you this time. We pray you fill us with your spirit. We need you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to start right out with a fill-in. You know, those of you who've been with us, you know that we use these fill-ins for the small groups. I know some people who don't make it to the small groups, they still use the fill-ins uh, just to study at home on their own. So here's your first fill-in. The New Testament teaches us that God is not worshipped today in temples made with hands. Now you think, well, why are you starting there? Because that's what the book of Hebrews is trying to get across to you. It's not about that physical temple. Uh, as a matter of fact, Stephen in the, um, in the book of Acts, I, I put the reference in your fill-ins, Acts chapter 7, verse 46 through 50, where Stephen's given the whole history of Israel before he got martyred. He was the first martyr. And he, one of the things he proclaimed is that God is not worshipped with temples made with hands. Because that's the big deal. People just go, where's the holy place? We've got to go to the holy place, you know. You know what, if any place is a holy place, it's supposed to be you and me. The Bible says, don't you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells in you? Therefore, we should be living like a holy place, right? If we only get that right, it's not like we're on good behavior when we're going to church. We're in good behavior all the time because we are the church, okay? I stopped in the middle of the fill-in. Sometimes I interrupt myself. Okay, the next part of the fill-in says, there is no special place on earth where God specifically dwells. You know, I, I, let me tell you something. I've been to the Holy Land. It's not so holy, Okay, if you've been to the Holy Land, it's filled, even to this day, with idolatry and weird stuff. If you want to buy a nice zodiac and all, all kinds of weird idol, idols, go to the Holy Land and go to the gift shops. It's all there. It's not so holy right now, okay? Hopefully uh, that will change soon. But I also gave you uh, more verses, and this is for you to look up. Maybe in the growth groups you'll look these up as well, from Isaiah and John chapter 4 about where God dwells. You could go deeper in that. Now, we may call, you know, a church the house of God, he doesn't really live there. He lives in our hearts. He lives in us. And matter of fact, I, I've been a pastor for enough years now. Uh, I think it's coming up on 38 years. And every church I've been a part of, uh, I, I've had the privilege to go into that building when there was no service going on. When the lights are off and it's empty. And you hear crickets. It's not like glowing. It's like... It's, you know what makes the place holy? When you guys are there. When the, when the church gathers. And then he says, wherever two or three are gathered my name, there I am in the midst. So that's what makes the place holy. Because I believe me, I've been to some of the greatest churches. And I've been there when there's people. And I've been there when there's no people. And it's nothing without you guys. The church is the people. Okay, just keep that in mind. Now... Hebrews 9 presents detailed contrasts for us between the Old Covenant, specifically the, the tabernacle, and the New Covenant. We're going to look at the tabernacle today in depth. Um, and and the, the, there's the New 
heavenly sanctuary in heaven that's the, the tabernacle was just images, was a, a dim picture of. And as we study these contracts, contracts, contrasts, we'll see that um, it makes it very clear the superiority of the heavenly tabernacle compared to the earthly tabernacle. Now we left off in Hebrews chapter 8, the last verse, let's look at it, let's pick up there and run right into chapter 9. Uh, Hebrews 8.13 says, in that he says a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. And I told you guys that this was just about six years before uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, before 70 AD when the Romans sacked Jerusalem and the temple burnt down. And boy, how true this is. It's ready to be finally wiped away because the new has come and the old is not needed anymore. He goes on, remember there's no chapter heading, so he goes on to say, then indeed... Even the first covenant had ordinances and divine service uh, for the earthly sanctuary. Now, the old covenant services really were centered and focused more around the earthly, and, and that sanctuary, or the original one, was a tabernacle. And, and all that was just a mere shadow or a dim type of the heavenly. Matter of fact, when, when God told Moses to build the the tabernacle. And we looked at this in chapter 8. He says, be careful to make it exactly as I have told you, because it was all images and pictures of the heavenly tabernacle. So as we look at from verse 2 through 8, we're going to look at the original tabernacle. I even have some actual photographs and other drawings. Uh, don't you wish? I mean, I'm a, I hope that when we get to heaven, um, and of course, when we get to heaven, who wants to look at pictures, right? I used to say, I want them to play the tape. Tape? <laughs> I want them to play the video so that we could watch some of these things. The parting of the Red Sea and the, the, the smoke on the mountain and all the different things. But you know what? When you're standing there in the presence, of, yeah, not standing. When you're on your knees before the Almighty God, you probably won't be at wishing you had videos to look at or, or images or pictures because <clears throat> nothing could compare to the presence of God. Amen. Sometimes I think about um, <clears throat> I, 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 that we, we probably should when we pray you know, people like images and pictures and sometimes people pray in front of pictures or statues. For me, I would love to just have a giant mural of the universe in high definition from that new web telescope. Have you seen some of those pictures? And you realize the person that you're talking to created all that. Sometimes we think, oh, God is just my little buddy. Oh, he's not much more than your little buddy. He's the, the Lord God Almighty, the creator of heavens and earth. And, and if we only grasped what he was capable of, what he's done, we'd, we wouldn't talk to him like our little buddy. We'd say, oh, Lord God Almighty, creator of heavens and earth. And yet he has stooped low for us. And we'll see that in Hebrews chapter 9. He stoops low that he became a man. Matter of fact, you want to see, we, we can't picture a God who created all these things. So we get little pictures of Jesus. But we don't have pictures. We don't, have, we don't know what he looks like. But you know what? God knew we needed something or someone to relate to that we could connect with him. And he sent us Jesus. So instead of looking at the web telescope pictures, Look to Jesus, because he's our connection with God. It won't overwhelm you as much. Yeah, anyway, anyway, I got off on that. Listen, by the time we get to verse 9, we're going to see, so I'm going to give you a sneak preview, that we're told that everything in the temple and everything of the Old Covenant was symbolic. It was, matter of fact, the word symbolic in verse 9, it's a, the Greek word is parabole. 
Does that sound like a word you know? Parable. And so all the things that we see in the temple and the furniture and the priest and their functions, it was all a parable of the real, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I, I love it, okay? So let's begin now looking at, from verse 2. We'll look at some of the details. First, the big picture. Verse 2 says, For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which the lampstand and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, and behind the second veil, uh, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. Now, I, I do, I'm doing my best to find. Sometimes the web has better pictures than other times. And there's a, a picture I want you to get, but this is just one. I've got a few different ones, so there's better ones too. But this tabernacle was, this was just a tent. But it was the center place, it was the focal point of worship in the Old Testament. And as you look at it, try to picture, it was 45 feet long, it was 15 feet wide, and 15 feet high, and it was divided into two rooms. The larger room, the first part, which is mentioned in verse 2, was 15 feet by 30 feet. And it was called the holy place. Now think about it. This was the center of worship. It could fit in this gymnasium. I mean, they could set the whole thing up right here, okay? And, and it, it was the holy place, the first part of it. Now, behind the second veil was a smaller room, and it was 15 by 15. It was a cube, 15 by 15, and it was called the Holy of Holies, or in the text here, it's called the Holiest of All. And we've got to get it through our heads that worship in the Old Covenant was so much more different than it is today, because today we all go to church, we all see each other and we worship God as if he's right here in our midst because he is. In this time, especially in the original tabernacle and then later the temple, only the priests could go in. Only the priests, after much training and years of waiting, uh, would, could go into the first part. And then the second part, only the high priest could go in. Very limited access to church in those days, Right? And so, in contrast to the tabernacle in heaven, all who will, all who will come to Jesus Christ could enter into his presence. We'll all be there if we come through Jesus Christ. So, a big difference, but it's a, it's a dim shadow of what's in heaven. So, let's take a look at some of the furniture, starting with verse 2. But re remember, these are copies of things in heaven. As a matter of fact, uh, Hebrews 9.23 says this in the New Living. The tabernacle and everything in it were copies of things in heaven. Now, it's not exact copy, exact size, and made of this. It's, it's a parable. It's, it's a dim shadow so that you could get an idea of the spiritual, okay? And each, each piece of furniture had its own special meaning. So I want to go through some of the pieces of furniture with you, and we'll see what, like, kind of what might that mean, okay? First, and I read it in verse 2 and 3, some of the, uh, the, the furnishings, there's a lampstand. In this lampstand, you could find various pictures, and, and this is the, matter of fact, as I, after I found this, I thought, I don't think that's Hebrew. I don't know what language that is, if it tells me. But, but this lampstand, this is the, the best, I think, probably one of the most accurate pictures I could find. And it stood in the first part, the holy place, and it is a, is a seven-branched golden candlestick. And uh, those of you in the small groups, I send my notes that you could look up. Uh, I've got references where you could read about this candlestick in the Old Testament. It was made of pure gold. Must have been pretty heavy. Seven-branched gold, uh, golden candlestick. And it, was, it provided the only light for the sanctuary. 
You go in there, I mean, there was thick veils and thick curtains. It was badger skin coverings over this tabernacle. When you go in, it would have been pitch dark except for this seven-branched golden candlestick. And the light that was produced from it, the flames were kept by burning wicks fed by oil, not candlesticks as you might picture today. It wasn't little candlesticks. It was, it was wicks that kept burning through a, a supply of oil. And since there were no windows in the tabernacle, the lampstand provided much needed light for the priest uh, to minister in that place. So, something else about the, the uh, as we think about that candlestick, there is typology and symbol in several, on several levels here. First of all, the nation Israel was actually supposed to be light to the Gentiles. In Isaiah 42, 6 and Isaiah 49, 6, God tells his people, I want you to be a light to the Gentiles. And so we'll start there. But more than that, we who know Jesus in the New Testament, we know Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And he who follows after me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So Jesus is the light of the world. And we'll talk a little bit more about that candlestick and Jesus in a second. But you know, as we follow through on this thought, and, and those of you who want to are taking notes, you might want to write down Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Because we're told that believers, every believer, is supposed to shine as a light in a dark world. That's what God's called us to do. And by the time we get to the book of Revelation, which we've already talked through that, so it'll be a while before we come back around and go through the book of Revelation, we see Jesus in the heavenly tabernacle, in the real deal, standing in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. And the Bible tells us that those seven golden candlesticks represented us, the church. And if you want to read the first uh, four chapters of the book of Revelation, you'll see Jesus had some positive and some negative things to say to the church. Some encouragement and some rebuke. I've done a whole study on that. And matter of fact, our men and our men's group has been going through Jesus speaking to the churches of Revelation. So much we could learn through that. But Jesus walks among the seven golden candlesticks. He walks among us, and that's in the real sanctuary, what's going on. Remember, in the tabernacle, it's all symbolic. It's all parabole. It's a parable, okay? The next piece of furniture I want to point out to you is the table, and it's actually called the table of showbread. And this table was made of acacia wood. It was covered with gold. It was gold inlaid. And it was three feet long by one and a half feet wide, and it was two feet, three inches high. And with this this table was used for was to store 12 loaves of showbread. And in a, back in those days, they, they used bread without leaven, so they were like flat pancake-looking uh, bread. I think, give you an idea, that's kind of a dark picture I found there, but it is what it is. Um, and so the, these, each of these loaves represented a tribe of Israel. And it was called the bread of the presence, that, that the tribes of Israel were ever before the presence of God. And every Sabbath, once a week, the, the priest would remove the old loaves and they'd put fresh loaves in there. And then the priest alone were allowed to eat of the, uh, the loaves. That's a week old bread, I guess it would be okay. And, and so these loaves were called the bread of, of presence. And it was a reminder of God's presence among the children of Israel, uh, sustaining and encompassing the 12 tribes of Israel. And today we could also look at it as... Isn't Jesus called the bread of life? Jesus is the bread of life. He's the one who sustains and keeps us. And he's given 
for the life of the world. Now back then, only the priest could eat of the bread of the presence. But today, every believer could partake of the bread of life. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was instituting the new covenant, remember at the Last Supper, when he was changing, mysteriously changing the meaning of the symbolism of the Passover meal, this will now mean that, and this will now mean this. He says, he held the cup that used to be the, the cup of redemption, and he says, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you. He took the bread that, that had all kinds of meaning in, in, in the Old Testament, but he changed it because now it's pointing to me. He took the bread and says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And so every time we have communion, I think, did we do that last week we had communion? Every time we have communion, we're remembering Jesus is the bread of life. We're remembering that he was broken for all mankind, that all who will could come freely and partake. He says, take and eat. Not just a priest, not just exclusive little club, and only one man gets to go into the Holy of Holies. Everything has changed because that was just a dim image of the new picture, of the new covenant, which, what did we look at last week? It's a better covenant with better promises, okay? Now, in verse 2, at the last part of it, it says, uh, this, it says the, the, the stand, the table, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And so we're told that this whole first part is called the sanctuary. It's funny, when we go to church, at least all of my life growing up in Calvary chapels, uh, whenever I went to church, they'd say, I'll see you in the sanctuary. This was the sanctuary, the place where we all go into the sanctuary. Well, this was called the sanctuary, the first part of it. And it refers to the, what we call the holy place. Now, there was this veil, this thick curtain that separated the first part from the holiest of all, or the holy of holies. And some estimate that this curtain could have been woven to be somewhere around 10 inches or more. Heavy curtain, thick curtain. The wind didn't blow this curtain. You weren't peeking on the other side of this curtain unless you intentionally were allowed to go through it. It was, a, it was representing the, the separation between the holiest of all, God the Father, and, and His people. Even the priests couldn't, only the high priests, once a year. Now I want to do a spoiler alert. I wasn't, I don't know where this is in my notes, but I don't know if you're aware. But when Jesus died on the cross, and he was the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, and he shed his blood for you and I, the sacrifice on that day, he cried out, it is finished. And that 10-inch veil that separated the holiest of all from the holy place was torn. No man could do that. And it was torn from top to bottom. God did it. God said, no more, no more veil, no more separation, because Jesus paid the price so that man could have fellowship with God. Wonderful picture. Now, I, I have visited some real fancy churches. Some of them actually have veils up. Matter of fact, when me and my friend uh, uh, Matt Slick, when, when they rededicated the, the um, I think it was the Boise uh, Temple, the LDS church, and they wanted us to see how beautiful it was, and we went to the holy place, and, the, and so they said, you guys have any questions? And Matt says, yeah, how come the veil's up? Didn't, and he'll tell, didn't God tear that veil? It was torn down? It was like, well, let me go get somebody to answer that question. You know, you know how it goes. But he, he's troubled. That's why I took him with me when I was going to go on the tour. I, I knew he'd have some good questions. My question was, why do we even need temples? Because everything we're reading in the New Testament, they, they didn't use temples anymore. 
And, and nowhere in the New Testament are we told to build temples. The only ones that were there were the Jewish temples, and it was temporary, and it was about to be destroyed in 70 AD because of what we're reading in Hebrews, that it was temporary and weak and, and meagerly, and so now we have the real deal, access to God. Okay, getting sidetracked again. Listen, there was another piece of furniture, and it was called <clears throat> the Golden Altar of Incense. Now, this golden altar of incense was also made incense. Did I say incest? You know, that incest me. Yeah. Oh, thanks. If I ever get lost, I could, I could count on LG to keep me going. Thanks, LG. Okay. <laughs> so, the golden altar of incense. Uh, it, it was also made of acacia wood. It was covered with gold. And it was one and a half feet square. And then it was on a stand, so it was three feet high. And it stood right before the veil to enter into the most holy place. Right at that veil of the Holy of Holies. Probably some of the incense might even make it into the Holy of Holies. I'm not sure. I wasn't there. But this golden altar was in the holy place, almost guarding the way to the Holy of Holies. And we know that, this, that incense in the Old Testament always spoke of prayer rising up before God. And so it was before you could go into the most holy place, you've got to have intercession. You've got to have prayer going up. And on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would take coals from this altar of incense and he'd burn it in, he'd bring those coals into the most holy place. Now, in my study, I'm finding a little bit of um, controversy because some believe that the priest would actually take the, the whole altar of incense and roll it in there. I don't know. It looked like it might be a little awkward. I wouldn't want to knock it over, you know. Others believe that <coughs> there was a censer, and that's what we're talking about as we continue to read. I think in verse 4 it says a golden censer. So some believe that coals were taken from the altar of incense, put in a golden censer, and swung around and brought into that holy place. But um, it was prayers going up before God. And every morning and every evening the priest would burn incense at the altar in the holy place. And David suggested, if you look it up in Psalm 141, verse 2, that may my prayers go up before you as incense. And so incense is always a picture of intercession and prayer before God. But also, to me, it, it reminds me that Jesus Christ is always interceding for me. hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.